0: This is Career Competitor, and it is the podcast that believes we all have a competitive self that drives our optimal performance in our careers and within our lives. My name is Steve Meller, and in the past 15 years, having been a coach to high performers, Olympians, business owners, executives across all walks of life, I have come to find that competitiveness comes from within and I'm going to be using this podcast to really showcase how competitors from all walks of life are finding optimal performance and have built the careers that they have today. Hello there and welcome into this episode of Career Competitor with me Steve Meller, and I'm excited to be welcoming in my guest David Hollenbach to this episode. David and I as you'll learn, have recently gotten to know each other very well, and I'm so excited for him to bring some very unique insights around his experiences with the fire department over a two-decade career there. But we're going to give him the introduction he certainly deserves here in a moment. But here's three things to be listening out for within our conversation. Firstly, how a strong enough why will prevent you from being deterred By the resistance of others. Secondly, we'll dive into why an outdated or unhealthy belief system is an opportunity to act and make significant change. Finally, we're going to cover the importance of preparing to lead before you're expected to do so. So those things and more with my guest David Hollenbach within this episode, and I'm really excited to bring this somewhat unique conversation around a very specific area on this episode. So without any further delay, let's bring in David and let's have a great time on this episode of Korea Competitor. And I hope you all enjoy. Hey, before we carry on with this episode, let me bring your attention to a link that you'll find right there in the show notes so that you can subscribe to my monthly email. It's just going to give you some awesome insights on who it is I am, what it is I've got going on, and maybe there'll be one or two food for thoughts in there that can stimulate your process, get you to get a little unstuck, get you to take a little bit more action, and maybe get you a little closer to optimal performance as you start to shape a stronger version of your optimal self. Go ahead, click that link in the show notes so you can become part of the ever-growing email list that's receiving this awesome insight each and every month, courtesy of me and courtesy of Career Competitor. Now, back to the episode. Okay, our Career Competitor today is a veteran of the United States Navy, retired Chief of Special Operations in the Fire Service, and today runs his own consultancy for leadership and culture. Throughout his highly decorated time, serving both His country and community, our guest directly impacted true and meaningful change in how leadership and culture are created within the fire service. Having been the creator of his department's first ever leadership program and writing papers on the importance of diverse culture pertaining specifically to women in the fire service, it's fair to say our guest advocates for both inward and outward growth when it comes to serving yourself and those around you. A professional speaker, podcast host, dad, husband, and resident of my wife's favorite city in the world, Orlando, Florida. I'm delighted to be welcoming in my friend and fellow advocate for personal growth, Mr. David Hollenbach. David, how are you going, brother?
1: Oh, man. Great day in the neighborhood. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. And for everybody listening, you got to check out the interview that I did with Steve on my show, because, man, it's... It's good. It's it's nice to be on the other side of the the interview process, you know, every <laughs> once in a while and um really it was such a great conversation, man. I really appreciate you having me on your show.
0: Of course, man. And and I love doing these podcast exchanges. Sometimes I don't know who the pressure's on more, the 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 guest or the or the host. Um but I I look forward to playing the role of host this time around and and we've had so much incredible opportunity already in the very short history of our relationship to get to know one another. We've both written books. Uh, We have that ability to obviously start reading one another's books. Now we've finally gotten around to exchanging them. And uh, with all that being said, though, before we start diving into things like books and, and things of the past, I would love for you just to kind of really present to people what it is or why it is you have this incredible passion for what you do in relation to both leadership and culture so where where does that come from
1: well i everything goes back to my daughter i have a 17 year old daughter and you know really everything that i do is to make the world a better place for her make uh life easier for her um, and just you know, I, I adore her. She's an amazing young woman, and uh, it occurred to me when oh, it was shortly after she was born. I had this realization that one day uh, she was wearing a little plastic fire helmet. You know, it was at the fire station. My my wife at the time, um, Isabella's mother, brought. Isabella to the fire station to uh say hi to daddy and you know I had her up on the fire truck and she had a little fire helmet on and I was thinking to myself this is how I started when I was that age you know when mm-hmm. my dad was a firefighter getting put up on the on the truck and sliding down the fire pole at the station mm-hmm. it was um it was like i was born into it and it was just i was destined to be in the fire service you know and so i started thinking like i don't know that i want my daughter to go into the fire service it's mm-hmm. not a place that is you know very welcoming for women
0: mm-hmm.
1: um i i try and instill in my daughter that She's second to no one, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's plenty of men out there that have archaic views and women as, as well, that mm-hmm. men somehow are better at stuff than women. And it's really, um, when it comes to abilities, it's the individual, uh, gender isn't the determining factor. Um, yeah, you know, unless it's something like childbirth, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> They've got us beat on that one, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but, uh, well, I was just going to say, like, before you go any further, I, I've asked questions similar to this so many times on this show around why you do what you do or where did it originate, etc. Rarely, if ever, have I gotten an answer like this, and it, it's one of the reasons why you and I hit it off the moment we met is that there's not only a deeper reason to why you do what you do but it's such an authentically personal reason that only you can do what you do the way you do what you do. And that, that is so key within the work that you're doing with culture and leadership. There are hundreds upon thousands now, the world over, of people offering services that you and I offer in our respective worlds. However, the unique ability of those services sometimes... Is a little saturated. It it really isn't that unique. And then you stumble into someone who's doing what they're doing for the reasons that you are. And suddenly now you go, wait a second. I'm gonna learn you're telling me that I can learn leadership and or culture from someone whose why goes back 18, 17, 18 years when they weren't even doing what it is they're doing now it's kind of what i'm hearing from you and that's man that's powerful like that is such a powerful reason to be doing what you're doing
1: well you know what, what's interesting and, and it, all along the way um i've had people trying to steer me away from my views yeah. um telling me that i was wrong you know and i and I've done a considerable, a considerable amount of research on this, this piece of women in the fire service. And, you know, when you talk about organizations where, you know, all the leadership is white males and, you know, women might have a management position, but that's about as high as they're going to go because of the culture of the organization. Well, even the military that is pretty male centric, you know. Um, most of the leadership is is men, uh, and it, it seems like a masculine field to go into. You know, if you're going to be mm-hmm. a career military, it just there's that. I, I don't know if it was how I was brought up. Uh, how and everybody was brought up back in the 70s you know is there's a place for men and a place for women and you know there might be some place in between where you you find common ground but there there was the the fire department, police department and the military were predominantly male centric. It's a male dominated field, right? Well, Unfortunately, the fire service is on the extreme end, way, way worse than the military or law enforcement, construction. When you think of iron workers, there's more women in iron working than there is in the fire service, you know, uh, per capita. Right. So I I did some digging because I I thought it was kind of weird and I was just curious. You know, what is the percentage of women in the fire service in the United States? And the 2010 census, it showed there was about 3.7% of oh the gosh. fire department workforce was female. Hmm. Um. Then, you know, 2020 came along and a new census and you figure... You know, the the fire service is well aware of the need for more women, yet the improvement was up to 4.7%, got a whole percent. Now, (laughs) when you compare that to like fields uh, of employment, you know, where it's still male-dominated occupation, whether it's law enforcement, military, ironworking, the on the low end, it was 17% of the work, and this is 2010. Now you fast forward to uh, 2020, and it was like 19, 20%. Might have been 22% of those other fields that were yeah. women. So there's a big discrepancy where the fire service is 3.7, 4.7%. Just way beyond way behind the times. And early on in my career, the explanations that were given, and it was just like a common belief that well women just don't want to do that kind of work, you know, or well, women aren't really cut out for it, you know they they don't have the upper body strength for it the physiology isn't there. And you know, there was all these bogus, reasons provided Mm -hmm. so i you know i wrote about it i wrote an article for fire engineering magazine i did the research and all of that is is baloney it's Mm -hmm. it is the culture is what is excluding women from the fire service and you know yeah the the fire departments are hiring more and more women but they're not staying They're they're leaving because the culture hasn't changed. Right. They're not welcome. So it's not blatant. And in most fire departments, it's not blatant, you know, because there's laws and lawsuits. So it's really kind of under the radar that would catch your eye, but it's there where mm-hmm. they're not treated the same, they're not offered the same mentoring. They're not developed the same professionally. And one thing that occurred to me, and this is something that I put in the article, I came to learn about emotional intelligence after I was already teaching it. Mm -hmm. And, And so you mentioned the leadership program that I had developed for the department I worked for and the the skills that I was teaching were those soft skills, those uh, communication skills, um, why it's important to be empathetic and and put yourself in the shoes of the people that you're leading. What does success look like for them? how do i how do I develop these relationships with my people so that they trust me to to tell me, what success looks like for them because if i'm a good leader i'm going to learn what makes my people tick and i'm going to and i'm going to work really hard to help them achieve their version of success so now it it was like an epiphany there's these soft skills that i'm teaching the firefighters the communication skills building and maintaining healthy relationships you know how to be empathetic and it occurred to me that well those are the areas of emotional intelligence that when evaluated women score much higher than men Mm -hmm. so the reason that it was so important for me to be teaching these skills is because there's not a whole lot of women in leadership positions within the fire service. And the leadership overall suffers. And Mm -hmm. therefore, the people that work for those leaders suffer. They're not getting what they deserve. And, And I think that the incidents of PTSD, of suicide, of mistakes on the job, injuries, all of that you can look to ego and mm-hmm. you know, men not wanting to admit that they need help. Right. And women not not so much. You not know. so
0: much. <laughs> and it I I I got to say like and this isn't the first time I've heard these statistics mainly because we we've spoken before and, and 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 so happy that we have this platform to discuss this because everything that you've alluded to that you've discovered in the last going on 15 years now is clearly a it, it, it's a smaller example very 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 small isolated example of societal issues and while percentages like three to 4% may be extreme circumstances, the results of those percentages, the reasons as to why things are the way they are in terms of representation, that isn't, nothing about that is out of the norm. Like it, 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 those are results of cultural matters that take place within the fire service that are ever present within society. Now, some parts of society are doing a better job, more resourceful job, uh, more combative job, however you want to put it, in resolving some of this. But I have to say, when you think of historically some of the most sort of masculine images or image of masculinity, however you want to put it, fire service really, really does jump right out at you, like the, and then this was something I'd never really even given attention to until you and I probably met. And to think that there's a world where you can hit home some of these emotional intelligence issues in a space like that. if you can do it in a space like that, where can you not do it at this point? like it, it and and that's what I love about what you represent at this point, man is you see an opportunity to affect change in a community that some would argue historically, it's like, oh, that's too big of a mountain to climb. That's too big of a mountain to climb. But you don't. You don't see it as too big of a mountain to climb. And so here we are on a show that's about competitive energy, competitive nature. Talk to me a little bit about why this challenge to you, and we're going to keep it specific to the fire department for now, because I know you have ambitions beyond that. But specific to that world of the fire service, why is this a challenge you simply can't walk away from?
1: I've seen how the exclusive culture of the fire service impacts women, good women, in a negative way. And in doing so, it has impacted men in a negative way as well. But it's very personal to me. You know, I. I've had some very dear friends of mine that are women that left the fire service with a really bad taste in their mouth, whether it was sexual assault, uh, sexual battery, um, just harassment. That, you know, there's no place for it in a professional environment. And the fact that it still goes on maybe not to the degree that it once did but it still goes on and and maybe it's more subtle now that it's it's easier to slide under the radar but it still affects the men and women that that serve our communities and i don't, I don't even i i think i lost track of the question was i answered well, no no no
0: well, no, you you are because you, you are, and I, I'm guilty of the same thing. Trust me, we're both very introspective individuals. It's just like, wait, there was a question that got me going in this direction, and I, <laughs> <laughs> somewhere along the way, that question just vanished. Um, but this notion of you being willing to take on the challenge, and in this, and saying like, "Hey, this mountain is so great a climb, and yet it doesn't put you off," and Something I'm hearing, and I wrote this down because I like to just create quotes in the moment when they kind of come to me, but this is very much coming from your essence and what you're about is I'm listening to you and I'm thinking the depth of the why influences the extent of the challenge that you're willing to take on.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Your your why is so damn deep and so real that the challenge of taking on a culture so male dominant for so long to overcome some of these huge issues of culture is I mean, i I have nothing but the utmost respect and regard for 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 your why and your passion and the work that you're doing because of that. I and mean, then this is not news to you. This is something I've shared with you before. but I, it it's really hitting me for the first time in all of our interactions so far that that ability to get so specific and so deep rooted with the why it actually allows the challenge sometimes that most if not the majority see as being almost impossible to take on you look at and say my why is deep enough for me to actually face this challenge head
1: on yeah yeah and It's probably a combination of things because I was told by many well-respected fire officers, chief officers, people that I held in high regard, until they took me to the side and said, "What are What do you think you're doing? Why would mm-hmm. you write something like that? Why Why are you creating a?" Female firefighter leadership group. Why not just a firefighter leadership group? And I'm like, there is a firefighter leadership group, but women don't feel comfortable there. Mm -hmm. So why can't I create a female firefighter leadership group so that the people, the women that know the issues that other women are facing, and how did they overcome them, or how have they dealt with them? I don't know, because I'm not in mm-hmm. their shoes. We need women helping women overcome those challenges. The ones that are successful, the ones that are well-respected, they need to share their formula with these women that are coming in, that are going to face poor treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to they're going to face people telling them that they're weaker and less than the men that are doing the same job. And I mean, I've been on fire scenes where the person in charge was a woman. Not only were the firefighters, but also the civilians, the citizens that were on that scene. Could see that it was a woman that was in charge, but they would go to a man Mm -hmm. rather than the woman that was in charge and you know and at the time i did have rank on that woman but she was doing a great job there was no reason for me to take over or even impede on her progress i just stood back and was like yeah i get it you know (laughs) and then somebody came to me like hey chief what do we what do we uh, Like, you need to talk to the incident commander Mm -hmm. you know and they're like, yeah, well, you know, no,
0: no, <laughs> you
1: got to go talk to her. She's it's that. That's sim- it's fun. that
0: simple. It's that simple. Yeah, and so man, yeah.
1: So the there's the piece with my daughter. There's the piece with several of my friends that you know were treated poorly because of their gender, uh, and the piece of men that i thought were better men than they are Mm. telling me that i can't i shouldn't i'm gonna ruin my career i look like a fool all these things where it just made me see the real them Mm -hmm. and it fueled that fire inside me even more where like don't tell me i can't do something because i'm gonna prove you wrong and It has been an uphill battle. There's not a lot of people that agree with me publicly. Yeah. Mm. Plenty of women agree with me, but they know that if they stand up, if they stick their head up, you're going to get smacked. Mm -hmm. And that's unfortunate. I, I read a book a couple years ago called Athena Rising. It was written by two male Navy, uh, Naval officers, right? Mm -hmm. And they talk about the importance of men stepping up and mentoring women because nobody else is. You know, Mm -hmm. these male dominated occupations, the people with the most information and the most influence are typically men. And so who needs to be mentoring the women that need to be in leadership positions. There's not a lot of men that are stepping up and doing it because of optics, because of fear, because of whatever, they're not doing it and they need to be. And so Mm. somebody that looks like me, uh, you know, a white male that, you know, I'm pretty masculine, I'm tall, I'm strong. I don't look like the the kind of person that would be standing up and saying, we need more women in the fire service. And right. that's why I think it's even more important for me to be saying it.
0: Love it. Love it. And you know, you have my support. And I think to that now with that ambition that you have with that ability to respond of just like the more people and the culture and the environment tells you not to, or that you can't, the more you sort of double down your efforts and double down that why. And looking a little further outside of that environment now and thinking more about just simply you and your business and and what you're fueled to go and do with the work that you do. I'm just curious, like, where are you seeing the reason to be optimistic in terms of the grander scheme? Because as we both alluded to, that, that there are other environments, there are other parts of this world that are really embracing so much of what it is you're preaching within this more uh, you know, specific environment that is the fire service. So where do you have cause for optimism right now with the work that you're doing from a competitive sense? Because it can't just be all uphill. There has to be some wins. There has to be some whatever it is, measures of success. So I'm just curious, just from your perspective, where's the reason for optimism right
1: now? Well, the, the fire service has come a long way. Um, mm-hmm. it, it used to be, for the longest time, there was only one female firefighter on record within the United States. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And it went back to the 1800s. I think it was San Francisco had the first female firefighter. Um, the first female fire, firefighter, Uh, And FDNY was in the eighties or it might've been the late seventies, but I'm pretty sure it was the, the early eighties. And she promoted, she went into special operations, very, very masculine. I I don't know that there's too many women in special operations within FDNY, which is like the largest fire department in the United States. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and and I think that a lot of fire departments measure themselves against FDNY because, you know, they're so well known. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are fire chiefs that are women. There are a lot more female leaders within the fire service. To me, it's negligible. But the fact that there is some means that we're going in the right direction. And if mm-hmm. I can add fuel to that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then hey, if not me, then who? Right, right,
0: right. Absolutely. I'm curious, man. Just give us give us some insight on on how you're doing that. Like, what 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 does some of your work look like in regards to working in leadership, working in uh, culture? Uh, what are, what is are maybe one or two of your tried and tested methods that you see a lot of impact from?
1: Well, there's a, a leadership program, you know, that it's easily adapted to whatever organization that you're in. Um, mm-hmm. it was developed by a group of army green berets for the aviation industry. And it was adopted by, uh, wildland, uh, firefighting. And since then it has been adopted by structural firefighting and then you know someone like me got a hold of it and adapted it even more and Mm -hmm. it, it makes it to where you attack all these different areas of leadership and and you provide a lot of information in easily digestible forms so that you know early on when just for an example I I wanted, it was very important for me to have the leadership program implemented so that when new firefighters are coming into the department, they're immediately being introduced to leadership concepts, uh, how important it is to develop as a leader. And it's a journey, you know, that if they're not aware of what it takes to be a leader, when they come into the job, I want them to know before they get out into yeah. the field, because the public is going to look at them as a leader. They're going to listen to what they say. They're going to follow them. So they better be good at what they're doing. And and so every bit of it, it was it was. I think it was towards the the latter. Part the probably the second half of the time I spent teaching leadership uh, while I was still employed with the fire service it was towards the the second half of that period of time that I really started incorporating uh, my views on gender within the fire service. and again, it wasn't all that popular. But when you present facts, when you present the research, you can't dispute it. You might not like it, but if it's the facts, the facts are the facts. It's not opinion. <laughs> it's reality. So, right. it, and and you can pose questions to to the students. You know, uh, offer different scenarios, like if you had uh, a female leader that knows how important it is to uh, know about you, know your personality, know what makes you tick. It's important for you to know your people so that you know when something's off. Hmm. Because in the field of, of firefighting, you see horrific things, and there's no preparation. You know, you might go a week without seeing blood. Yeah, you might just go simple wrecks. maybe, you know, chest pain or something like that. That could be a period of time where nothing really horrific happens in the area that you're working, but then it happens and it can, it can shock you to the core. Some of Mm the stuff that I've seen is going to haunt me to the day I die. Mm -hmm. I struggled with PTSD. You know, I still Mm -hmm. struggle with it. It's not, I've, I've been doing the work. And I feel like I've come a long way, but there's a lot of my peers that it's a common belief that you're weak if you seek help, mm-hmm. and it's a very machismo viewpoint. And yet another reason why we need more women to to tame that, because if you don't get help, you're going to become a statistic. And yeah, I've got plenty of examples of firefighters that uh, I've worked with throughout the years that have ended things uh way too soon you know just right um and and so that's that's the point there's so much that we can learn from women and there's so much that women can learn from us men it has to be a symbiotic relationship you know not like well Do things more like a man to be successful. And I think that that is a common belief within the fire service that if a woman's going to succeed, she needs to be more manlike. And then if they take that road, they're never respected because Mm -hmm. it's fake. Mm. They're trying to be something that they're not. And what they need to do is embrace their femininity, their femininity, embrace who they are as a woman, because that's where their power lies. Mm-hmm. And so I'll get off my soapbox. I don't know if I answered the question
0: had. <laughs> you definitely did. You definitely did. And man, I just like giving you the space to, to hop on that soapbox because it's good. It's important. I got a four and a half year old daughter myself and it's like, this is the world I wanted to live in. These are the kind of men that I want her to be around. And hopefully one day when she meets Mr. Right or when she gets hired by a male or whatever it is, that they're going to share these very same ideals that you share and that I share. And, you know, something, while you were speaking through the, the answer there, this notion of why you prepare for leadership before you're expected to lead. You know, I, I'm hearing that so much in what you're saying here is that, if folks start to see the role that they can play as one of leadership, no matter how long they've been doing the job or how long they've been with the company or, or whatever they feel their title, wherever their title falls within the org chart, whatever it might be, there's an opportunity to always be leading. And you made it so clear there. something as simple as simply how you show up at the site of an accident, at the site of a, a call as a firefighter knowing that eyes are on you at all times. It could be your first day. It could be your thousandth day. It doesn't matter. Part of being seen and being perceived a certain way falls under leadership. And I I love that you've got this approach in your offerings that gets into the weeds with that right away, because that's going to be an ever-present need in all walks of life. And the one thing I want to do is I look at time and think, okay, we're going to land the plane of this interview here in the next few minutes is one, I didn't mention it in the intro, but I, imme- I immediately mentioned it in terms of the book swap is the book that you wrote, Fireproof. And I want you to just have a, a minute here just to sort of tell everybody why it's such an important book to read. Because one thing I'll, I'll just say this, I'm about 30 pages into it right now. I look forward to finishing the other 120 or so uh, in, the ne- in the coming weeks. But it speaks to so much that you represent in this interview. It, it, it speaks to empathy. It speaks to transparency, vulnerability, emotional intelligence, even just a few pages into it. All of that comes through in abundance from the position that you write from, which is why it just is screams authenticity from the moment you put the pen to paper and started writing that thing. So I just want to give you the opportunity just to tell people about what the book's about and why it's such an important read for folks.
1: Well, first, let me say that I've got you beat because I'm about 48 pages into <laughs> your book. And man, your book is awesome, dude. Like, <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm i highlighting, like, I d- never highlight books unless I'm studying for something, you know, and uh, there's just so many great nuggets in there. I'm like, oh, I gotta, I need to talk about this. I need, you know, it's not
0: about me. It's about you. <laughs> Answer the question. It's not about me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Okay, to my book I again this is uh this is going to be a long answer. Um in 2010 my younger brother passed away and it was devastating. Um I don't know that up until that point I had ever experienced that kind of pain before. Uh it, it was just pure anguish. And I was pretty lost. And um, I'd taken my wife and daughter to the beach. Uh, this was maybe two months after. Actually, it was the month after uh, my brother passed away. We went to the beach for spring break. And I went for a run early one morning. And it was just like trying to get, trying to, shed myself of that negative energy because i was just i was just a miserable human being and i and i wanted to be present for my wife and daughter on, you know during a week that i knew meant a lot to them and uh and i wanted to show up and and be a decent human being and not just like miserable so i I decided I was going to run every morning to get my mind right. Well, the first morning I did it, I ran really, really far, really, really fast. It was like the faster I ran, the angrier I got. And I was just like so mad at the world. Why would they take my brother, you know? And, um, you know, why would God take my brother? I was just angry at everything. and. uh and then I couldn't run anymore. I just like collapsed into the sand and cried and decided I, I couldn't go back to my family. And I started wading out in the water and I was just gonna keep going. And mm. um and I made it out a long ways and I was still touching the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, I'm too tired for this crap. And I went back in. <laughs> and, uh, and I just sat there and I, I thought, like, man, you know, I, I've got to do, I, I've got to leave my mark on this world. I need to be somebody that my daughter can look up to. I need to be present for my daughter. My, my brother, had a son, or has a son. Had a son. Uh, when when my brother passed, Aiden was uh, a year and a half old. Um, actually, he was uh, like two months shy of his second birthday. And I thought to myself, you know, I I want to do something important. I want to be somebody that they can be proud of, and I want to be able to look at my nephew and say. Look at all that I've accomplished, and know that you come from this same stock, and your your father was so much better of a man than me. That is what you come from, and you should be proud of it. and And that led me to I, I started writing a leadership book, and for ten years I worked on this book. Mm-hmm. Only. To rewrite it into what you have there, um, mm-hmm. and when I when I began editing and and rewriting everything in 2020, it was after a pretty dark time in my life, mm. and uh, and I wanted to share how I had overcome these difficulties in my life because so many leadership books out there tell you, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. This is how you do it. You'll know you're a great leader when this, when Mm -hmm. this happens, do this. But not a lot of leadership books say you could be on the top of your game and fall flat on your face tomorrow. Lose everything that you've got, and you could become a miserable human being Or you can say, you know what, this isn't going to define me. I'm going to get up, I'm going to dust myself off, and I'm going to show the world what I'm made of because I'm a badass. Mm -hmm. And you have to have that mindset when you're putting yourself out there, when you're leading people, you got to have that mindset that you might screw up. You might make a mistake, but that can't define you. Who you are at the core, that has to remain in place. That has to be what shines through when you're miserable and you can't believe that you made such a mistake or whatever it is. When you fall on your face, you got to get back up, dust yourself off and push forward. There's a a saying that I came across. It's in a military strategy book of all places, but they talk about this Civil War uh, leader that basically said that you're not a failure unless you give up or die. You're not done until you're dead or you quit. If you give up, you might as well be dead. So... I never want to be viewed as a quitter. I want to be somebody that is authentic and is not afraid to share their mistakes because the best lessons that I've learned are from the mistakes that I've made. And if you can't share your best lessons with the people you're leading, You're not, you're, you're doing a disservice. Right. And, and that authenticity, it, it was a buzzword for a while. You know, it's important mm-hmm. to be an authentic leader. Well, yeah, it is. But what does that mean? So, And
0: it's something that I think is a great insight here to wrap us up is this, you know, leadership isn't always about what you say. So much of it sometimes is about what you don't say. And As leaders, if we feel a reluctance to speak on something that we know can be of impact, that's the disservice that you're talking about. You know, if there's a lesson to be learned, and it just means you having to be a little bit vulnerable by putting yourself in a position where you're the example of making the mistake, but you choose not to divulge that information, that's a disservice to everybody. That's an opportunity for everybody to learn from your mistake. And the only thing preventing you from doing that is yourself. And so it's a key insight, man. It's a powerful insight so many powerful insights throughout this talk. You know we can talk forever, and we probably will keep this conversation going long after we press stop and pick up the phone again and do it again in the near future. But, brother, before I let you go, where do people need to go to find out anything and everything they need to learn about your good self?
1: com. Hollenbach is my last name, H O L L E N. Be as in boy, A-C-H, Everything is there. All the links to my social media, uh, how to get in touch with me. Um, there's even a page uh, of resources, uh, mental health resources. People, if uh, anybody listening is struggling or knows somebody that's struggling with PTSD, whether it's military, public safety, or just, uh, there's so much to know about PTSD, and I've got some resources on my website that can help educate family members or even somebody that's struggling with it. Um, you know, it—it's not weakness to seek help. I think it takes a great deal of strength uh, when you come from the military or public safety um, pretty macho career fields. Um, I, I think it takes a great deal of strength to stand up and say that you do need help, uh, in mm-hmm. environments like that. So
0: absolutely. And I echo that people know I've, I've spoken about my, my history with, uh, with depression and, and and just working through my stuff over the last seven years through this podcast. It's been a wonderful outlet for that. It's a wonderful way to showcase the importance of asking for help. And so love that you have such a direct uh, resource for something like that uh, as a part of your offerings. So brother, appreciate you. Thank you so much for the candid insights for the transparency, the vulnerability, just the generosity of all all that you brought to the last 40 minutes or so best of luck with everything in your world dude and we'll talk soon okay
1: alright cool man thank you
0: thanks again for listening to this episode of career competitor and before you leave be sure to take advantage of your free one time discovery call with me to see how I can be of service to you as a coach or potentially even your team depending on what it is you're looking for at this point within your career I want to be able to serve you with 30 minutes of my time to see how I can be of use to you and help you on your path of continued growth towards your optimal self in order to find optimal performance. Be sure to reach out to me, steve at koreacompetitor.com or just head to the website koreacompetitor.com. I look forward to connecting with you soon and bye for now.